Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business podcast, where we talk to interesting people about life and business. We cover their backgrounds, obstacles they've encountered, and find out what drives them. Along the way, our guests share nuggets you can use to drive your success. Reach me directly, D-A-M-O-N at ExitYourWay.us, or check out our website, ExitYourWay.us, for more information. I hope you enjoy our show. All right, everyone. Welcome once again to the Faces Your Business. I'm your host, Damon Pistolka. And man, am I excited for my guest today. This is a guy that I've known since I didn't have gray hair. So I'm excited to get to talk to Sean Murtis today. And we're going to talk about technical sales uh, with with application engineering. And, and really, this is super interesting to me. And I know that a lot of the manufacturing people here that are listening will understand what we're talking about. But I'm just going to let Sean start in on this. And, and first of all, I'm just going to say, Sean, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Damon. I'm excited uh, to be part of your, your show. Awesome. Awesome, dude. Well, we started eons ago in injection molding. Yeah, what was it? Nineteen ninety. <laughs> don't even don't even talk about it, man. It's it's like it's like it's before Prince was popular, man. Because oh, <laughs> you're in Minneapolis, and actually, actually, Dave Meyer, a guy that I know there from the cities who does uh, uh, digital work, he actually is one of the guys that built one of Prince's websites. So wow. uh, one of his later ones where he was actually selling music on it. So it, that's what it got me thinking. And he was talking about that last week. We interviewed him on our Friday show. But uh, so you've been in the plastics industry for quite a while, Sean. First of all, in, as an applications engineer on the plastic side in a molding company where we worked together and we started out of college. And then you started working for plastics companies that actually develop the company, the plastics themselves that are used by the, the people that are molding products. And you've been in that ever since. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, we went to college, South Dakota State University. Uh, we both worked to the same place. I was there for a little over six years, um, did a little bit of everything from molding to design and then worked for a, I went to be a tech rep for a large distribution company. And it was my job to make things run quickly, smoothly, bigger, better, faster, stronger, and do a lot of training. So I did that for about 10, 12 years, and then moved into application development and then um, kind of moved into sales slash application development uh, with a smaller company. And then that smaller company was bought by the company I'm with right now. Very cool. So when this, so it's interesting that you, you've seen the molded the molding and the production setting in the beginning and, and, mm -hmm. and at Falcon plastics where we work together. And then, then as you were training people and in tech support and trying to help them solve these problems in, in molding, were, were you actually in the field then watching things being molded and helping them make them run better or what were you doing when you were doing that that tech support yeah so when i was at falcon um the nice thing is is it's it's just you know it's a big company but a smaller company and you have certain customers and you get to see what you get to see so you don't 
get to see all the stuff that everybody does and all the problems. Yeah. So when I left there and went to work for the distribution company as a tech rep, it was overwhelming for the first two, three, four, five years because basically when we were at Falcon, if I couldn't figure it out, I would call my guy and my guy back in the day, his name is Mike Van Dyne, phenomenal yep. guy, good friend of mine still, and say, Mike, come in and help me fix the problem. Well, guess what? I went from being the guy that, you know, tried everything and then called somebody in to the guy that call, got called in. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. You know, now I'm responsible for a couple hundred thousand dollar tools. They've tried everything. All right, Sean, fix my problems. Sometimes it's not so easy. So um, unfortunately, most of the times for tech service, we don't get called in for handshakes and don't get called in to go golfing. We're called in when they're up against a wall and they need answers. Yeah. 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 That's true. So in, when you were in that role in the tech support there, did you have, uh, did they have good people that could help you if you couldn't figure things out or are you pretty much sitting there to, to go back to the basics of physics and everything else and, and just kind of figure it out that way? A little bit of everything, you know, back in the day, a lot of the suppliers um, had their own internal tech reps that I could call, uh, back in the day, they had a 1-800-DIAL-DAO and a 1-800-DUPONT for their inside tech line. Um, I remember DuPont, her name is Nancy Eckrich. It's, it's weird. I probably could still remember the phone number, but I could call them and they'd put me up with the right person. Uh, nowadays, everything is being, you know, working from homes, cost savings. A lot of the large suppliers are relying on distribution and the manufacturers such as ourselves to be the leaders in their plastic. So back in the day, they, there was a lot. Um, but as you know, when we started, we had computers, but Google was probably Google, but not what Google is now. Yeah. And learning some of the stuff and you know writing the papers and term papers and stuff, we had to go to the library and do research and stuff. Now, everything's at your fingertips. Yeah. So if I want to learn something or do something, nowadays you can YouTube and figure it kind of pretty much a lot of things out. Um, back in the day, there's a lot of networking where it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. And, you know, things have changed. So it's been an interesting road to see how it started with, I remember we had a big catalog out in front of our offices that we put everything in and here's this stuff, here's for polycarbonate, here's ABS, here's PC ABS. We had drying guides and sheets. You know, yeah. nowadays you buy something. I just bought a generator. They don't even give you a book anymore. You just yeah. look it up and you print it. Yeah. Yeah. So this makes a good, this is, it's a good point. So now if I'm sitting here as a, as an injection molder and I'm having a problem, it, does YouTube have videos on solving, you know, a specific, an ABS kind of problem? Do you see that kind of support kind of stuff on YouTube now? I never even thought of looking for that kind of thing. Yeah, they do. There's a lot of stuff like back in the day, um, they still have a couple of them, um, you know, like online training classes that yeah. you can pay for um, and you can do, but there's, yeah, like uh, troubleshooting. I don't know if YouTube necessarily, but there's a lot of stuff on like troubleshooting black specs, you know, check your back pressure, check your yeah. temperatures, check this, check this. Um, a lot of presentations that anybody put on. Um, yeah. I'm a member of SPE, Society of Plastics Engineers. And I'm actually a program chair. Um, but when you're a member of SPE, you can go in and see it. So I can go back and I can see all kinds of old presentations. So I have presentations that I possibly put on. And then you have access to the seminars and you can download them. And 
Got yeah. It's all at your fingertips. So yeah. much now. Though. Yeah. I never even thought about that and that because it is so much more available to you and mm -hmm. so much easier to access if you know where to go. You know, and the funny thing is, is I've, I've talked about this back in the day, SPE, you know, you'd, you'd show up and you'd pay $30 and you'd get a dried out piece of chicken, you know, network for a while. And then you'd have a speaker come and talk for an hour or so um, about things. You'd network. And it, and it was basically who you know. Um, nowadays, I was talking to some of the younger SP members, and I said, you don't network anymore. Like, well, I don't need to network. I can be on a computer. I can do this. I can see anything at my fingertips. For me, there's still something about school of hard knocks. I would rather talk to a mechanic or talk to you to go, hey, Damon, I'm having this problem. And you say, hey, try this, try this, as opposed to Google, because Anybody can put something on Wikipedia. Anything, anybody can put anything on the internet. Is it right? Yeah. Is it wrong? It's their, it's their perception. And I suppose even if you're talking to somebody, it's their perception of right and wrong. But if it's someone I know and trust, I know I'm going to trust a lot more. I still go yeah. a personal relationship. Yeah. Because yeah. And, and then, you know, that's funny because you say that it, it's changed for me a lot over the past couple of years, especially as we got stuffed in our houses the past year and a half or so with COVID uh, and, and our business going virtual even before that. But um, still having at least a video connection like this and then meeting people in person when it when you can, when you're in the area or something works really well, even for uh, even for a troubleshooting kind of thing, because uh you know, you talk about technology and last year we sold a business that we never met the owners in person. We never saw the business in person and the buyers of the business never visited the business because, because of COVID. And, and, right. and we did things with video. We did, I mean, stupid, not stupid, but we did use whatever the, what's the iPhone. FaceTime. Uh, FaceTime. There we go. We had to FaceTime. We FaceTime. Go around. Here's some inventory. Counting the inventory. You know, looking at the machines. All the kind of stuff. It was really, it was wild to do that kind of stuff. And and so the, uh, yeah, kind of off on a tangent there on that. But the the ability to be able to connect with people that can help you or that you can help. Right. Uh, is really something. And I think that the, the, the younger people that are coming up are probably utilizing maybe LinkedIn more or Instagram or something like that with the network of people that they've met could be digitally, but that they know are in the same industry solving the same problems. Absolutely. Absolutely. And nowadays with technology and shipping and Amazon, um there's really nothing you can't get yeah uh, very quickly and if you want to pay for it it can you know you can get some from california next day air yeah and it's it's no big deal um it was it was a lot harder back in our day <laughs> yeah 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 that's for sure so when when you're out here now though you talk about you you were doing this tech support and you're having people calls now when you're working with application development talk to me about a typical way that you're going to help a customer find what they want. A one of your salute where you have to work through the solution to the problem and, and get them down to the end result. Okay. Well, first off, I think the, the main question is, have you been doing it in the past? Is this something that's existing and you're trying to make it bigger, better, stronger? Is it brand new? Is anybody else doing it? You know, let's say that, you know, you want to make a four wheeler. 
you're not going to start, you know, from scratch on building a four wheeler. Cause back in the day, they had the three wheelers, the Honda big red yeah. was the, the deal. You know, then they went to four wheelers. Now they're at side by sides and you're not going to start all over. You're going to say, okay, what, what are they currently doing? What are they currently using? You know, automotive, there's some information that's out there. It's amazing how just on the computer, I can say, show me all the vehicles that are out there. And I want to know the EV batteries. I want to know the components of the EV batteries and there's pictures, they blow it up and they say, this one's made out of polypropylene. This one's made out of polycarbonate. This one's made out of this. And you can see, you know, and reverse engineer a lot of stuff. So okay. that's one of the ways to do it is say, hey, you know, can I reverse engineer it? Number one. And number two, if it's something new to say, hey, I'm, I'm making something nobody's ever made it before. It's not out there. Then it kind of comes down to, okay, what kind of properties do you need? Is, does it need heat? Does it need UV? You know, if it does need heat, how hot and for how long? Do I need to worry about, you know, RTI, continuous use temperatures? Um, if I'm talking outdoor, do I need UL ratings like F1? F1 rating means it's been set for outside so many hours and it maintains its physical properties. Or does it just need to look good? You know, if I'm making a patio chair and it's throwaway disposable, I don't necessarily care. Um, but the big question is, is just asking them to rank the criteria. You know, I want clear, chemical, and under a buck a pound. Well, there's certain criteria I can do and certain criteria I can't. I can get you clear and I can get you some chemical resistance, but under a buck a pound may not be possible. You know, um, yeah. some things go hand in hand, some things don't. And especially now with the resin crisis and everything the way it is, you can't get your hands on anything. Okay. So I was just going to ask, the, the, the supply of plastic is is – tight like steel and everything else that people are trying oh, to get along. absolutely you know and it's it's funny because if we look back we've had seminars talking about this um when covid started nobody knew what covid we knew what covid was but we're like how's this yeah yeah happen? yeah so we have all kinds of inventory or suppliers and manufacturers have all kinds of inventory all of a sudden they start shutting companies down and we're saying we don't want to get stuck with millions of dollars of inventory. Yeah, yeah. We need to sell it off. I need to get rid of it. But in the plastic industry, people got shut down and automotive shut down, but it kept trudging forward. And because it got shut down and we, we ditched all the old inventory, then we had that cold snap that came through. Um, I can't remember exactly what they called that cold snap that actually froze down in Dallas, Houston. Yep, yep. Yeah, manufacturers, they lost electricity. And because they lost electricity, all the fracking and all the pipes and everything froze. Oh, yeah. Start from scratch. I have we have pictures showing these cracked pipes. And the problem is you can't just fix the pipe that cracked because you don't necessarily know is the other one that's right there that you just got done fixing yeah. is it structurally damaged. So basically, you got to start over. If you're tearing everything apart, might as well start from scratch. Then you can't be within six feet of somebody else. So you're working by yourself. Yeah, Imagine yeah. carrying these big, huge pipes and trying to do things with mass up in the air. Um, yeah, it takes years and years to get these built and they had to go in and rebuild them just very, very quickly. So, so we're talking about the plastics production facilities. Yes. The materials production facilities, because I never thought of that. So, yeah, I've got a, a, a couple of friends that are in the Dallas area and they were lucky enough to have generators. So they didn't, you know, have everything frozen. But the right. uh, that that has to be a mess because people don't. Well, 
plastics are made from the byproducts of, of refining oil. And then down the line, it, it gets processed many other times and turns into plastic. But I never thought about how that would affect it because a lot of the plastics are made down there around refining areas. Absolutely. And a lot of it too is just with COVID, you know, you can't have plant operators standing close yep. to each other. You can't do yep. that. Then any kind of shut down. Nobody knew what was going to happen. And now everything's on force majeure. Everything's on allocation. So if we do have access to it, everything that we bought last year, they're only saying you get 60% of everything you bought last year, 70%. We get a percentage and then you have to divvy that yeah. out and yeah. get work. Wow. And wow. That's something. That's something because it is it is it is really interesting how that's hit all the industries. I mean, how it hit the the housing market with the lumber prices, and then it yep. moves into everything else. And it's it's because of the sharp drop, and then the sharp ramp back up. Yes. And, you know, and it's it's interesting how that's affecting everyone because uh, I know earlier this year, you know, the price of steel and sheet steel and everything was almost to the point to where you couldn't even get quotes. It was like this is the price of the day kind of thing for them. And so, did you see that pla the price of plastics going up like that too? Were oh, they absolutely? Yeah, it's oh, okay. It's phenomenal how much the price of plastics. I think every day I get two, three, four price increases, and wow. it's just going up and up. And it's, it's just got to a point of everybody just kind of knows it is what it is. And it's the same thing. I mean, I'm technical sales, so I don't necessarily quote every single day and yeah. the pricing as much as a, a true salesperson does. But um, some of it is we have what we call a Christmas list to say, if you want plastic and you, you haven't bought before, or there's no allocation, put your name on a list. At least you're on a list to get, yeah. get something. But we can't guarantee dates. We can't take delivery orders. We can't guarantee anything. And then when or if we can get it, we're going to do everything we can to work with you to get you what you need, but wow. we can't guarantee pricing and we'll tell you what your pricing is when we get allocation and we get yeah. to come in. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild, dude. Cause that's, that's like, that's, that's crazy to think that we've got, it, it's at a time where you cannot get it. Right. right. It just did anything really. I mean, when was the last time you and I were around when you couldn't go get something? I mean, like uh, anything. You, you know, and that's the funny thing is, is a lot of times there's certain things, but like, you know, the toilet paper shortage, you couldn't get toilet yeah. paper. And okay, everybody hoarded and did some things. Yeah. The toilet paper people are saying, hey, we don't want inventory either. And they couldn't shut down. They stopped making some stuff. But I don't think it's ever been as bad where you can't get polycarbonate, ABS, nylon, polyethylene, polypropylene. Oh my goodness. PVC. I mean, it, the list goes on. I mean, there's very few and far between. So that's been my biggest job lately is working with OEMs and molders to say, okay, I'm being told I can't get this resin. I can't shut down. I got to continue making something. What's your closest equivalent or how can I get from point oh, A yeah. to B? And sometimes it's, you know, twice the price, but guess what? They got to do what they got to do to keep things moving. And sometimes maybe they're over-engineered or over-specced to where we could say, hey, you didn't necessarily need this. Let's try this. They try yeah. it. Um, I'm working on a seminar right now called, you know, single sourcing or double source, dual sourcing, where a lot of people were happy saying, hey, I'm buying this resin. And it's the only thing on the print. Well, guess what? Now it's discontinued. I can't get it unless it's tested or approved. Now it's nice to have three, four, five things on your yeah. because I've tried this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, and just go down the line and you know what works and what doesn't work. The other thing is, is working with these engineers, 
they know what works, but they don't know what doesn't work. So I ask them, okay, do you need cold weather impact? Well, yes. Okay, what kind of cold weather impact? How cold? Zero, minus 20, minus 40. You know, is it going to be in your area, Seattle versus Minneapolis? Yeah. Or is it going to be in, you know, Canada or northern Alaska? Yeah. We have different temperatures, different yeah. climates. So, yeah, yeah it's, it is. You, you, you bring a couple good points up in this about, you know, engineers wanting to over engineer something by saying, hey, I want I want minus 60 degrees because someone could use this at the North Pole. Right. But then you go back and that's too expensive. When he comes down the road, it gets too expensive and they go, oh, no, no. We might have to cut it back a little bit to, you know, minus 10 degrees or something like that. And and you have to help them balance that with the best properties. Right. And that's that's really about technical sales is really one of the things that that differentiates it from a uh, selling a product that doesn't have that technical requirement your your knowledge around it and your uh, application knowledge is is really key so do you have specific lines that you cover or do you have a broad spectrum and and you have to zone in on each one when you're doing a, a different project for someone um so the company I work for is a large distribution company yep. slash formulator slash compounder. So we have access to pretty much anything and everything. I mean, I can get anything from PVCs to elastomers to TPU, polycarbonates. We have anything. And actually, I have just happen to have my little, you know, a tanagram of all the different kinds of resins. Okay. Yeah. And less crystalline. And this is what I kind of go through when someone calls me and says, hey, I have this and this. I look at this and I kind of run through the list to go, okay, if it's outdoor, what have outdoor properties? Well, my ASA is a weatherable polymer. Um, my PMMA, my acrylics are made for outdoors. I can get some UV polycarbonate. There's different things. And so I run through scenarios in my head to say, okay, what kind of impact do you need? What kind of strength do you need? What kind of chemical resistance do you need? Then you start getting up the, the triangle pyramid. You know, as you start going up higher and higher and higher, it costs more money, but you get more performance. So yeah. you can start getting more and more properties as you start going up that pyramid, but your cost starts to go up. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Um, and then we start talking about offsetting the cost by running thinner instead of running at, you know, a hundred thou thickness or 80 thou, um, which kind of was when we were engineers. I mean, yeah. if everything was like 80 to hundred thou, that's pretty normal. Yeah. Nowadays, you know, I'm seeing a lot of 60 thou, 40 thou. I got stuff you know, thinner and thinner, you know, it's just more cavities and thinner wall sections. So, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. So, so, you know, in molding, what has kind of over the last 10 years, 15 years, what have you really seen in differences? Now you're saying wall thickness, thinning and some other things, but what's really, what have really been some of the interesting things you've seen people producing injection molded parts are doing? You know, um, Nothing's, I mean, officially nothing's really changed. It's always kind of been, uh, um, when I walked through Falcon Plastics the very first time, it kind of rem- reminded me of growing up a kid with the Play-Doh Fun Factory. Yeah. Where you, take <laughs> you put it in the backside, you squeeze it for extrusion, or you take this piece and you jam it. I have some silly putty that I always yeah. do with or whatever else, but you can form it into a shape and you can do whatever you want. Or back in the day when we used to buy the model airplanes and they come with all these pieces and you cut them off yeah. and flash. 
And I'm like, wow, that's that's a terrible design because it's non-uniform wall, it's non-uniform flow path, and it's fishbone. Uh, there's flash everywhere, and they sell you the sprue and runner, and you have to do it yourself. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of got to where everybody is more critical on appearance. They don't want to see the gate. They don't want to see gate blush. They don't want to see appearance. Appearance is very, very critical nowadays. Uh, back in the day, it was kind of more of a shoot and ship. Here's a part. How functional is it? And now it's got to look pretty. You know, yeah. nobody wants to have an ugly cell phone case or yeah. else. And everybody's proud of what they have. So uh, well, I've I definitely noticed that. I've definitely noticed that when you look at a molded part, you, you very seldom, you won't see any flow lines. You won't see where the gates at a lot of time. They really spend a lot of time to design the parts so that they look good. And, that, and then two shot, I mean, your cell phone case, you know, even though you don't think a lot about it, I mean, there's so much that goes into these, you know, they have a soft touch and then this has got a bond to this. And so it's two shot It's very, very thin because then they want the impact. They want the strength. They want yeah. water resistance. You need, you know, all the different things. So everything's gone thinner, um, more aesthetic, um, two shot colors you're seeing. So the two two shot for people that don't know it is basically you mold one piece and you take that piece and put it into the mold, another mold and you mold a, the, a second bit of plastic around it with different properties, correct? Right. Two shot, you can actually do it where like the, the platen rotates or the mold rotates and you can okay. even take it out and put it in. It just automatically does it. Shoots okay. one, two different barrels, shoots the first shot, rotates, shoots the second shot, kicks it out. Um, okay. All the way to that or two shot where you actually take one, mold it, you know, you stack it, then you put it into the press another time and you shoot another one around it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Two that's resins. Two different materials. Like you said, that's how you can get a hard center or a hard feature. And then the rubbery outside of, of like a phone case is a great example because you, yes. you have the soft outside and a, and a rigid interior, but um, interesting. So, you know, the, one of the things that I really have, has, have been interested in for my entire life. I mean, I can still remember when I, you know, we were in molding, right. And we were working in and the size of machines that we were working with were, were not really that big in the industry comparatively. Right. And, and now, you know, cause I think we had like a 500 ton or something like that. And, and that's not the weight it's, it's different, but uh, now they have, they have like 5,000 ton machines or something like that. Yeah. It's amazing. I'm not necessarily sure how big they are. Yeah. I, I worked on a, you know, four to three, you know, 3000 is not uncommon and your tonnage is the amount of pressure it holds between the clamps yeah. and flattens, um, and how much you can hold it together. So the larger the size, let's say you're making some bumper fascias, uh, for automotive or side by sides, um, flow path to wall thickness. It, yeah. you know, it's all different. Um, and it's all tonnage and pressures and speed. Yeah. Um, Technology is kind of the same. It's always kind of been the same thing. You heat up the plastic, you squirt it in, you cool it down and kick it out. But, you know, the technology is changing now to where you use infrared cameras to determine the temperature of where it's coming out to optimize it. Um, you're using um, mold flow simulations just to, before you even put it in, to say, how's it going to flow in my mold? What kind of warpage am I going to get? And you're doing predictive simulations. So you know, prior to even getting started, how it's going to flow, how it's going to warp, and how my water lines are, and what kind of cycle times. Back in the day, we used to have to guesstimate. We look at something yeah. and go, "Hey, yeah. what do you think the cycle time is going to be?" Yeah. And 
So that's probably one of the, the major technological upgrade or improvements over the last 10 or 15 years, though, is like the mold flow analysis, because you can really simulate pretty well now with the software. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, good. Good. So, yeah, I was I was funny because this last weekend we were, as, as I mentioned before we got on, we were we were at a at a place up in the mountains and I grabbed one of these these Adirondack chairs, you know, the, the ones oh, yeah. I said over, but it was a molded chair. And I always I always think of that. Boy, that thing was in a big machine to mold one that big, you yep. know, a, ch a chair that's that. And uh, people don't understand what I mean, when you look at the bumper fascia of a car what the tool behind that really looks like. And, and oh, yeah. I've always been amazed at those things and, and what they do. But we're sitting here talking about molding and about tech support and application engineering with Sean Murris at Amco Polymers. And, you know, the one thing that I was going to ask you that I thought we couldn't get off without doing is what's the most interesting application that you had to work on? Ooh, <laughs> the most interesting or the most fun? I don't know. Well, either one, either one. Tell me, tell me the most fun first of all, because that. Uh, well, fun. I mean, there's so much different things, but if, if it's something you know, like uh, working on four wheelers and side by sides, we do a lot of stuff with guns. You know, yeah. back in the day, you know, uh, I think you even had your FFL license years and years. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, so now, you know, working with guns and magazines and clips and different pieces. So I love working on things that I physically can use and utilize yeah. and, and do yeah. stuff. So, you know, working with large OEMs on that is is always so much fun. Um, to me, it's... it's uh, seeing it from the beginning to the end and actually physically um, coming up with an idea. I've seen some stuff all the way from a paper napkin, you know, to a design, to this, to a tool, and then it takes off. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of those yeah. are probably the best, but. Um, yeah. So you're, you're helping people across the board that are doing all kinds of different stuff, right? So you were talked about UTV stuff. You're doing, uh, OEMs for cars, you're doing electronics applications, you're doing all different kinds of stuff, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So some of them, like I said, when I see a good design, I always like to remember it. This is one that I've actually, I carry around with me and this is a, a living hinge. So it basically, yeah. flips. it's got a little piece that goes on your belt. This is actually, so you can put your earphones in and it puts yeah. your belt, but People don't think about, but the the little piece of you know you have to have steel in there so that plastic yeah. should go in there. But this actually has a living hinge that pops out, so it's an open and shut tool with oh, two wow. hinges that clips, snaps into place to create this little belt loop. Oh and wow! The gate is down here in the bottom, and it's subset. I mean, this design I'm going to say is 30 years old, but this cool design of how they made it work to lock into place. Yeah. Open and shut. It just, I, I've opened this and closed this probably a hundred thousand times and it still works like a champ. You know, yeah. I carry this around as a really cool mold design, part design feature um, that yeah. I see. Yeah. When you see those things that, that the clever designs that people can come up with, like you said, from the napkin and then roll it into the, the product. And then ultimately some of these things, you know, in molding, you can have tens and hundreds of millions of these things made. Oh yeah. 
I mean, I'm looking at your headphones right there. I'll bet how much yeah. plastic is on that headphone. Oh, there's a lot. Yeah. You know, they're just, you know, the sound quality that they have and the acoustics that go into it. That's the thing that probably amazes me the most is how, how many little things go into each design. Um, yeah. 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 We both travel quite a bit and yeah. I like listening to books on tape and different things. But one of them that kind of amazes me is they were talking about, I think it was called Malcolm Gladwell with the tipping point. Yeah. Yep. He talks about like Sesame Street and how they weren't sure that, you know, animated characters and real people and how kids would interact. But the one of them that they said, and it still strikes me weird because I never really got into it, that they said just goes into it like Blue's Clues. Yeah. One of the, you know, like for getting kids to remember it. I remember Sesame Street, you know, something shows up on a screen and then do you remember it and where you look and marketing and just appearance and stuff. And how much, like I said, how much really goes into making oh that you don't we don't even think about yeah that's true that's true that's true it's it is it is interesting when you look at that because it it does uh really give you um some appreciation for the amount of work that goes into these kind of things because that that's the yeah i hadn't thought about that for a lot of years but it doesn't matter what it is it can be a simple little pen clip that are the top of a pen. Actually, this is probably a really, really good example of how much thought you have to put in because you got to make every little piece in this thing for next to nothing right. to be competitive. And so it's got to go super fast. It's got to be super reliable. It can never screw up. And and you got to be able to make a hundred billion gazillion of these things, <laughs> and, yes. and, and, and the tool can never wear out. And you, just, you know, I mean, you just all the things that have to happen for most of the stuff that we do because people don't realize that if if I go home with my new whatever SUV and uh -huh. and I've got an, an an air cleaner on it that or an, a component on it that's plastic, there probably were a half a million of those made or more. Right. And because it used on multiple models and used on everything else, and and just that one little piece in your in your air system that pulls the air into your vehicle, a molded piece on there, the the requirements around it, and just the design intent and everything that has to go into just that one little piece. Yep. When you think about everything we have, I mean, someone can walk into their kitchen now and look at a hundred different things, or in your kitchen, um, and not even, I mean, even just a blender, a blender for your margarita on the oh. on a nice sunny day. Well, the you one know, I was the, thinking the about or talking about is, you know, just bread, the bread bag that goes to keep bread yeah. fresh. How many layers there are actually in bread or chip containers? You know, you have your, your tie layer, your binding layer, your moisture layer, your oxygen layer, you know, and I mean, we're talking how, how thin it is and how it is, but yet there's how many different layers that go yeah. into that film and like i said unless you actually stop and think about it or look at it it can go right over your head and go it's just how hard is this just plastic but yeah 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 that is interesting it's it's a uh, um yeah so that's that's yeah yeah i start to go back into that and my my head goes back into the days of 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 designing stuff for people and and you do when you're you know you're making one of something it's a lot different than making 100 million that's for sure yep and but uh, so what are some of the things that you're excited for in the industry that you see happen? And you go, man, this is going to really be cool. Um, let me think. 
Um, you know, the industry, even though it's changed so much, it's changed so incrementally. Um, it, it's still the same technology. The only thing I really like is um, there, there's a point now where there's some new technology out there where it's kind of, they're saying, you know, can you, you know, basically everything before was you fill it as fast as possible, fill it 95 to 99% full, then you pack it and cool it, so on and so forth. There's some new technology out there that says, hey, maybe you don't have to fill fast. Maybe you can fill a little slower and get better, you know, characteristics. And, you know, they're just kind of starting to challenge some of the things that are out there. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see, you know, do they really come to fruition or not? Yeah. Um, you know, it's a, it's a paradigm shift. You have to switch. So now all these injection molding machines, do you have to get retrofitted to be new or, you know, some people are going to stick with the old, you know, it's kind of like back in the day with the DVD player versus the Blu-ray versus the, what are those big discs or whatever else? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Them, I think that were like, all right, which way am I going to go? Because which one's going to lead and which one's going to win? Yeah. Um, yeah. So are you seeing a lot more electric machines in, in, in the industry? I know those were popular as, as and I know people are using them, uh, but are those are those becoming more prevalent or, or are the traditional hydraulic and uh, clamp mold uh, molding machines still the mainstream? Uh, no, it's I'd say it's probably becoming more and more electric. Those electric servos are so repeatable. The problem is they carry a price tag with them. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, back in the day, I remember, you know, especially you, you know, being plant manager down in Tennessee, you know, you responsible for building and buying brand new machines, so on and so forth. And nowadays they have some stuff that comes from China and overseas and you can buy a press for, you know, under a hundred thousand dollars and you can get a, you know, a 300 ton press for $80,000. I'm making these numbers up, but it's, it's like, holy smokes. I mean, they're almost disposable. Like these little four wheelers that I see, when you go buy a brand new one, you know, they can cost four or $5,000, but you can buy these little Chinese, Japanese one for $800. I'm like, how are they making this, making it over there, shipping it here? You know, the bad thing is, is they're cheap. You know, after a week or two, something starts falling off and you have to replace it and, you know, put duct tape on it. But they're still, they still built the tool. They still made it. And I'm just amazed how, yeah, how cheap things can get. I mean, cell phones just what you're getting cell phones for now. And yeah, just yeah. So yeah it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how that, how that goes. All right. That's cool. That's cool. Cause I was curious, but it, but it is interesting because that industry was, was, was old when we got into it. I know. <laughs> that's, that's the one thing it's kind of, you know, it's been around me because you go back, uh, you know, they were, they were molding plastics in the fifties. And, you know, the and, funny thing is, is, it, it is old, but compared to steel, compared to the other stuff, it's new technology. It's really true. Truly new technology. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're what, you know, 50 years into it. Iron and steel goes back to, I don't even yeah. want to pretend yeah. to guess how old yeah. that technology is. And that's the thing that we're preaching now is part design. You know, everybody's like, oh, just make it thicker, make it thicker, make it thicker. It's like, no, the steel industry doesn't do that. You, they use I-beams, C-channels. They understand moment of inertia. And this is where my engineering background really helps out, you know, because I, I, I remember from our statistics class that we took together and some of those classes, 
But you know, stiffness or rigidity is equal to moment of inertia times your modulus. Yeah. So I can have, and I don't know if I have it with me right now, but I did a seminar where they talked about a ruler. I take a ruler and I have it in the flat area. I can bend it nice and easy. Um, I turn it this direction, I try to bend it, and it's much more rigid. That's because my moment of inertia changed. So, you know, adding ribs, adding things, and that's where right now, you know, the technology of strength and stiffness and how thin can you get and how fast can I fill it and sink and it's it's boggling how how things can be made so different and yeah. Yep. He's still evolving the industry with this many years and the, the computers and the design capabilities and the modeling capabilities allow you to keep getting better and better and better before you actually go into the physical product. Well, I think we're slowly starting to catch up to, yeah, the steel industry. Like I said, the I-beams and the C-channels and yeah. stuff, we've been doing that for years, but everybody was kind of just following along in plastics and doing what they were doing because it was working. Yeah, like, yeah. Broke, don't fix it until all of a sudden now someone goes, hey, wait a minute, I... I got to start worrying about costs. So I need to go thinner. I need to do this. I need to foam, you know, using, you know, uh, technology where I can foam thin wall and I can foam a straw. You know, that technology is new where you actually put, you know, carbon dioxide or a liquid into the barrel and then it comes out as, you know, a foaming agent as opposed to the yeah. foaming agent we used back in the day. So yeah. yeah, technology is always changing. There's, you know, Polymers are changing. You know, we have some new grades here, which, you know, can go down to minus 60, still maintain clarity, chemical resistance. Um, polymers are changing. I mean, it's still basically the same polycarbonate backbone, the same copolyester backbone, same backbone, but they're getting some different things, you know, like you know, we yeah, have a syndiotactic polystyrene. So we have to get a <laughs> You can't even say it. <laughs> yeah. You can't even say that word. But. I know, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, but they, so they get up with better additives to make the properties, of, the end properties of it more, more, uh, you know, more extreme, I guess, for like. Yeah, of and the new thing now, the new trend is green, bio-based. You, yeah. you know all about bio-based with your ethanol yeah. background, so on and so forth, but there's different things, bio-compatible or bio-polymers. Um, you know, is it going to degrade or fragment and did it come from oil or does it come from natural sustainable resources? Yeah. Does it disappear? And if it disappears, does it disappear in 60 days, 90 days, a year, 10 yeah. years, 20 years, you know, end of life cycle, you have your PLAs and PHAs and so many yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there was actually somebody that I was talking to, well, I, oh, I still know him, a guy from California that's developing cosmetics that are in bottles that the bottles degrade over i don't know how long over nine months or six months or something like that once they're in a landfill and and uh, something to do with the additives and the way that they process the plastic when they're making it that, yep. that allows it to do that but yeah that's that's interesting too because we are that is one of the, some of the things in the sustainability uh the reuse of plastics and the and the making them be able to degrade is is probably something you get a lot with the more um disposable kind of applications it is but you know watching stuff it, it gets to be a tricky business too because you could take a disposable degradable um cutlery yeah and then if you want to take normal cutlery you can't tell the difference between a disposable degradable cutlery and normal cutlery so you take it and you want to do post-consumer. So you go in and you start pulling all these different cutleries out. 
Now you start blending and mixing. Well, now I contaminated my styrene with PLA because you can't tell the difference between a PLA. Nobody's looking at the numbers. Nobody's looking at the You know, you can do some stuff on density and float it out, but it gets to be, now you start putting some stuff in your recycled stream and now you just contaminated this. And now things that aren't supposed to degrade are going to start to degrade. It, it's a, it's a tough, yeah. it's a tough road for us. Yeah, to get it's a tough, it's a tough not to crack. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough not to crack, but we're going to have to crack it sooner or yes. later. Cause I think that, you know, you're right though, because old school, you had to keep, everything absolutely right hopefully they've figured out better ways to do it now so at least on some of this where you're trying to recycle but you're exactly right that if if i stick this plastic pen in in a bunch of milk jugs i just contaminate all the milk jugs because this plastic isn't anything like the stuff that's in the milk jugs well that's just it you think about the top of the milk jug is you know the milk jugs made out of polyethylene the top's made out of polypropylene yeah a little safety ring on it that doesn't come off and now yeah. it's got to be separated when they grind it yeah the water bottle same thing the water bottle is made out of a different thing than their cap then they have a liner in there yeah um all the printing on yeah. yep yeah, that's a, that's a that's a good point. So recycling is going to be a challenge, or it has been for a long time. And hopefully, we got some smart people working on that. Absolutely. They're going to figure that stuff out. I'm sure there's a lot of smart people working on that. But right. it, yeah, yeah, you got a lot of they're doing that. So, so Sean, what's up with you for the rest of summer, man? What's what's planned? What are you going to do? Um. Well, we've been. Um, Bought a toy hauler, so yeah. actually just a little camper that I can throw uh, yep. early in, and we're going to go to Sturgis here in 20-some days, so that'll nice. be a lot of fun. Um, nice. We're just talking about going to outdoor concerts. I mean, without COVID now, it's nice yeah. to get out and be around other people and, you know, venues yeah. and, and do different things. You know, the state fair is going to happen, Renaissance Festival. Um, we've had phenomenal weather. Um, it's been dry, so the farmers haven't necessarily liked it, but, um, it's been mid eighties and oh, nice. sunny nice. days. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Well, it's, it's been awesome to have you on here, Sean. And, and as it usually does, our time, our time is, uh, we could sit here for hours, but, <laughs> but we got, we got, uh, we got things that we're going to get done after this. So, um, Awesome. So thankful to have you here. And for those people that want to reach out and get a hold of you, uh, is LinkedIn a good place to get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. LinkedIn. I, I check my LinkedIn. I have some subscribers yeah. or followers so on and so yeah. forth. Yeah. So. Very good. So Sean Murtis, Amco Polymers, if you got any questions about plastics, like I said, he's, he's been in this a couple of weeks now, so we'll, <laughs> we'll, We'll be, but uh, but he can help out there, and and we'll have your contact information or the company and your LinkedIn profile in the show notes, so people can see that when we're when we get that put up. But thanks so much for being here, Sean. Really appreciate you stopping by the Faces of Business. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Damon. All right, man. Everybody else that's listening, we're going to be back here on Thursday. We're going to be talking with some another interesting person about business and what they're doing and just kind of sharing with the people in general. So come on back again and we will talk some more. Thanks everyone for joining us today.